Holy shit. We should make, we should make a point of doing this more often guys. <laughs> Mike Harrington and Paul Hamilton joining us here on the, on the after the whistle podcast. Craig's here too, guys. Sorry to mention that. We've out. been, uh, furniture. we've, we've had a battle uh, going on this morning. He's a, he's a little irritated. So, uh, this should be a, a real good interview with you guys. Yeah, well, well, that's something new that you guys are irritated with each other. I've never seen that before. He's so sensitive, Paulie. You know it. <laughs> it's not sensitivity. You know what it is? It's like it's like when uh, when someone says that someone's sensitive, or they just look how fired up he's getting. Look how fired up he's getting. It's like shut up. Like it, that's not the case at all. I mean, it's the guy that just keeps poking and poking and po- speaking of poking great questions to Jack the other night, boys. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice to be like in a media player scrum again. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought after I was like, oh, we haven't done that in two years. Yeah. We still had to have masks on, which is fine, but just to be face to face with a player right there it's been so long since we've been able to do that and i mean you guys need to really know the backstory behind all that the vegas golden knights were not making jack eichel available after that game they brought out ben hutton and lauren Brisson, and then peter DeBoer came out and that was it and they their local people told me they were done and i um Paul would might have, I had a meltdown. Let's put it that way. Well, if it wasn't for Mike, we probably wouldn't have spoken to him. I had a meltdown. <laughs> You're I telling had... me, Mike, that Jack Eichel was not scheduled to come out and talk after that game. And that's not Jack Eichel's fault at all. Jack Eichel was clearly prepared to speak. He spoke very well, like he did the day before. That was the PR people making a very improper call to protect their guy when, in fact, they would have damaged him even more had he not spoken. And I basically told them in no uncertain terms how crazy they were. And their answer was, well, we didn't get any requests for him. I said, did I need to send you a telegram to tell you that Jack Eichel needs to talk after this game? I think, I think you said smoke signals. Do yeah, I need why, to send you smoke these, signals? Every Buffalo camera is waiting for, at the backdrop outside the locker room. They're not waiting to talk to Ben Hutton. You know, you really needed to tell them that. It was really bad. And he came out. I don't even think Jack Eichel had any idea any of this went on. I think they just said, okay, no, Jack, we know. need you to come out. Out he came, did his interview, went back in. All hell broke loose on social media after. But it was unbelievable to me that went down. And frankly, you know, the viral video that everybody has. And I mean, I'm, t- I'm, I'm, I'm pumping my tires a little on this one, boys, <laughs> because it doesn't happen. And in fact, who asked all the questions? Paul Hamilton and Mike Harrington were the ones asking all the questions anyway on all yeah. these videos. But I, I I cannot even imagine what people would have said about Jack had he not spoken. And that was all going to be on the Vegas PR staff. It almost would say, have been better if he didn't now after the matter. But go ahead, Bone. <laughs> Maybe the PR guy knew uh, what, what, what might ha- might transpire. But whether you like Jack or you don't like Jack or he says the right things or he doesn't, Jack Eichel will stand up after games, always did. I mean, there are many times we would walk in the locker room in a road game and he was the only one sitting there. You might not like the interview. It might be a snippy interview. It might be whatever, but he was always there to face the music. And he never, never hid in the back room or anything like that. That's That's interesting to hear. Did you guys expect, like, what was the question? Paul, I, I know you asked him a question. 
Um, I don't know who asked the first question or who asked the question about the reaction, Mike. It might have been you, but you weren't being antagonistic. I mean, no, you I just, just simply him a boilerplate question, you know, because he got booed so much. I asked him, were you surprised by the level and the intensity of the crowd and the booze? And, you know, frankly, when he gave me the answer, I was kind of like, that's interesting. You just never really know in those situations mm-hmm. what's going to completely blow up. And it's, you know, it's 1030 at night. I got an hour left to write my column. Sometimes it's hard in the moment to even anticipate how big something is. And I wrote my column never looking really at Twitter. I didn't have any time to look at Twitter in that interceding hour, not understanding how out of control it was getting. Um, but it's a little unfortunate, but that's how things are. No, it's a 10-second clip. It's a terrible 10-second clip out of a four-and-a-half-minute interview where he praised the fans in Buffalo at least three other times. But that terrible 10-second clip is all anybody sees and hears, and that's what's going to live forever, and that's how things go now. But I tend to think those are his real feelings. Like the sure. press conference, he handled himself the day before very well. But Is that scripted, was, Paul? I was just going to say, it was obvious. There are hard feelings. Let's let's all be honest here. There are hard feelings. And for him to say that there aren't was him just being politically correct and just wanting to move on from the situation, whatever. But I think the next night proved there are hard feelings. And I don't think he thought he was going to get crushed like that at all. I think that took him tremendously by surprise that it was no at, that, at that level that sustained for the entire game. Um, and I think he was frustrated by that. He was frustrated. Obviously the team is playing poorly and lost the game. Now, since then they've lost two more. Um, and I just think everything came out in that moment and, you know, not a great moment for Jack and boy, you know, whenever the schedule lands where they come back again next year, <laughs> wow. I can't, the, the build up to that thing and what the crowd's going to do next there year. There might be a crowd at prior waiting for that plane <laughs> to land. Um, I, I, I honestly, I honestly believe he was shocked that everybody booed him like that. I really I'm surprised. I'm surprised that he's thinking that way. No, and, and as much as Jack Eichel was a great player here and he was, uh, you know, the, the franchise uh, player here, he's also a, a, a player that, you know, agreed to an $80 million contract and in, in, in year two was asking for a trade at the end of that year. You know, the Pagulas are looking to, for buy-in. They, they paid him an extreme amount of money. Whoa, 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 whoa. Asking for a trade at the end of year two? It was year four. Yeah, well, no, year two of his $80 million contract. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Oh, okay. Right? Now, oh, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> great, great for, for pointing that out. But we, we it, call it's, that it's Craig's sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it makes sense. I'm the only one who's... Uh, it makes but sense it, now. It's year two of an eight-year deal that's paying him $10 million a year. And at the end of that year, you know, ask for a trade. That was public, was it not? But that's the way he thought of himself. He, he said it himself. Uh, look it. He talked about what, and he did do great work for Roswell and charity work. But you know what? I have never once, once heard Rob Ray talk about his charity work, either in public or privately saying, well, I, I, you know, I was really, you know, part of the community and I was very part of the charity. And and he didn't, Rob Ray doesn't pump his tires that he, Rob Ray just goes and does it. 
Yeah. You know, Jack is like talking numerous times about how the things he's done in the community and he hopes people will remember that instead of the last year. He honestly thought he was a beloved figure in this town. He believed that. And then that reception hit when he found out that he wasn't. He was shocked. But that that's the thing that bugs me is I, I you know, the the guys who who are doing there are a lot of guys who have worked in the community and i'm glad jack did a lot of great things for roswell and for the nurses in around and and did those types of things and uh i'm glad he did that but again i I just i i don't he's he just pumps his own tires too much for doing things like that and i think he really thought that there was a lot of public sentiment it was going to be in his favor based on how the whole surgery situation was handled and based how people in this town feel about the Pagulas right now by not showing up to games, among other things. I think he just thought he had a lot more public support on his side and everything kind of coalesced in this game where everybody in the building was on him every second he was on the ice. And I just don't think he had any expectation of that. And to be honest with you, I kind of did. I didn't think it was deserved that it would go down that way. And I wrote, you know, don't boo the guy two days before. And I kind of thought it went the way I thought it was going to go. And I said the same thing, Mike. I said the same thing yeah. about booing Jack. And and I, I'd like to hear your your thoughts and why you would say that. Because to me, the team failed him as much far more than he failed the team. I mean, two years ago, not 10 years ago, two years ago, Jack Eichel was eighth in the Hart Trophy balloting ahead of names like Austin Matthews and Nikita Kucherov. He had developed into the elite star player that the Sabres needed. Now, we can talk all about his demeanor, his prickliness, his culture in the locker room, his treatment of other people in the organization, and all those things are out there. But if you're talking a player, the reason the Sabres have not won in the last 10 years or in the last seven years is not because of Jack Eichel. It's because of everything they've done around Jack Eichel. So here's a guy who gave his all, played through injuries, was good with the media, did stuff in the community. I I didn't see the need to boo him. Now he's going to get booed forever, obviously. But I, I just thought it was unnecessary. He didn't run away like Briere and Drury, there was a situation unique to anything that's ever happened in the NHL with a player. And I just thought the fans could have been classier about it, but I understood where it was going to go in the context of where this team is. And I understood their reaction completely. And now, you know, at this point now he's, I didn't want to be the one encouraging booing. I didn't challenge Craig on the episode when we, we called it to boo or not to boo. And I think that kind of stemmed off of your article, which got us talking about it. Like, is Jack going to be booed? I didn't want to push back, but it's exactly what I wanted to see. It's exactly what I knew we'd see. I mean, when Miro Shatan came back, they booed him when I can't remember you guys might have a gamble. Brian Campbell. He He was in tears. He was in tears. Not to get booed. (laughs) Please what did he say when he got traded? Please don't boo me. Please don't boo no. me when I come back. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thomas Vanek sent us a message, Craig and I, a message. And he's like, I got booed when I came back. And he goes, I embraced it. He goes, I understood. Fans were pissed, you know, this and that. He goes, but at the same time, it's all part of the game. He's like, fans booing is what is what can motivate a player. It's, you know, like, that's, I mean, we're, we're talking about a, a, a 
someone who I think put on this front of this strong, you know, untouchable, you know, emotional, secure guy. And then you, you know, true colors come out at those moments of adversity, but you know, I, I don't want to beat the Jack Eichel drum too, too much, but I think what happened here on Thursday night is going, and I think we've already seen it with the heritage classic. I think it's going to continue to help this team build going forward. It's going to help the Sabres and unnerve the Vegas Golden Knights and Jack Eichel. Now, he has scored in the next two games, but they've lost them both. They're 4-8-1 with Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel has disturbed the chemistry of their team. They had to take Mark Stone out of the lineup. I know he's hurt to get Jack on the ice. And the Vegas Golden Knights thrived on team chemistry and overachieving. And now they're trying to build an all-star team. And their chemistry is completely out of whack. And now they've thrown Jack Eichel in. Look at the chemistry of the Buffalo Sabres right now compared to these star-studded Vegas Golden Knights. It's a completely different dynamic. I get told, even at my own station by a couple of guys, momentum doesn't matter. Chemistry doesn't matter. You know, you know, and that kind of stuff. And it's just... It boggles my mind when people, who the hell is saying that though, yeah, Paul? It, it boggles who the hell mind. is saying that that chemistry and when you when you get on a roll, I mean, yeah. things go in the right direction. But it, just look at the Vegas game. We just talk. Let's talk about that game. The only I didn't care about booing Jack or one way or the other. The only reason I'm glad they did is it got the building involved in the whole. Thing. How was that, how was it? How oh was the building? God, that building was phenomenal. It, it, I I can't even describe it. Every it was good. The refereeing was bad because with every bad call, <laughs> came, the, they were just booing and just killing the referees. The the fans were so into that game. You know the fights, the goals, the Jack Eichel, the referees. They were engaged in that game from the word go. And I, the first thing I wrote that night was. It was so, so nice for hockey to be back in Buffalo. For The fans night. did not let us down Thursday oh, night, boys. The fans was, did not was, let us down. And, super and, and convince me that the Sabres didn't feed on that mm-hmm. when they went and played sure. against Vegas and won that game. They didn't fold when Vegas scored that goal, which they've done how many times this year? In yeah. the third period, and that goal goes in, and all of a sudden, uh-oh. And next thing you know, you lost the game. They didn't fold. They went out, scored a goal, and won the hockey game. They were feeding off the atmosphere of that building. Darlene was so giddy about it. He was sitting there going, that was fantastic. He goes, the fans had our back. It was so much fun. He goes, and we fed off that energy. And I can't wait until we give them a reason to come back for good because it's going to be so much fun in that building. Now, try to convince me that, that didn't the team didn't feed on that and there's no such thing super disappointing this week that off the vegas game and off the heritage classic just the vagary of the schedule the ncaa tournament is here the sabers are out west this would be a week people would go to a sabers game this week if there was a game at home and they're not at home and it's really just bad luck because off the heritage classic and off vegas people are ready to come see a game, see this team. It's a great point. I never even thought about that because you know what? One thing, one thing you want to continue to see are more and more people start to trickle into that rink. And I think a lot of people probably went to that game and after they left on Thursday night and then they, they watched the heritage classic game, they're probably thinking that they're like, man, 
this is a team worth going to watch now. You know what I mean? Like this is a team where, and I think that game, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen. And you know, Craig mentioned it to me on the phone the other night after the reaction to episode 64, where Craig literally, you know, assassinated Jack Eichel, but, (laughs) but he, he said to me and Craig, you use these words and we used it earlier when we were recording earlier today, before you guys came on, you know, basically saying that was closure. That game was closure for a lot of Sabres fans. And if that game goes any other way, if Vegas wins, doesn't matter if Jack gets a point, I still think there's still bitterness, but because of what happened Thursday night and you guys poking the bear and getting the worst out of them, I think it's closure for the fan base here in Buffalo. Yeah. Alex Tuck gets the empty net goal. That couldn't have been written any greater. Peyton Krebs scores a goal. Then we go to the heritage classic. Peyton Krebs scores two goals. Um, you're getting quick amount of closure. You know, the issue with the Ryan O'Reilly thing was it festered for a long time because they went and won the Stanley cup. Well, the Vegas golden Knights are a disaster right now. They're going to be lucky to make the playoffs. Forget about win the Stanley cup and the Sabres have potentially their next captain and another young potential star player and a first round draft pick coming, which suddenly instead of being number 30 might be number 12, you know? So I think there's a lot of closure there. Come on, baby. You yeah. guys, Craig and, and Petey, you're going to love this. As you know, I do a walk-off radio interview at the end of the first period and Krebs scored, so I talked to him. Ear to ear, of course. And he talked about how special it was to score against the team, but he finishes with, you know what, though? I want to go score another one. And Don Granato loved hearing that, you know, mm-hmm. from the young player. It's like, yeah. yeah, I scored, and it was a lot of fun, and I want to go score again. And it just to hear that. You know, from the, the enthusiasm from a young player coming into the organization. And he had friends come in. He's friends with Quinn. He's played with Quinn. He's played with uh, Cousins. And I think he's look, he really is enjoying the thought of growing with these guys together. I mean, it's not just a, a line of garbage. He's He loves it here. He, he was on uh, uh, some show. I, I don't know. I don't even know where it was. I just heard about it. Where he was, yeah, he goes, yeah, I just yelled at my dad because he's wearing Vegas stuff around. He goes, no, throw that stuff out. You're not wearing that stuff. And he goes, I went out and bought him all Sabre stuff. You know, you know, so he had Sabre stuff. And, you know, he's bought in. He's, he's bought into this organization and what this organization is trying to do. And here's what the, the last two games say to me is these were massive games in the specter of the Sabres. They're not going to the playoffs this year, but these were huge games. These were big moments. The big moments of these two games were not too big for Rasmus Dahlin and Peyton Krebs and Dylan Cousins and Matias Samuelson and all these young guys. They were not too big. And these games were huge moments where young guys could shirk and go, oh, how am I going to do this? And I'm at 26,000 people in Canada outside. And they were there. They were ready to take charge of those games at crunch time against two elite teams on paper, full of stars, and the Sabres were the team that punked the opponent. They pushed back. They decided which game that game was going to go. That, to me, is really, really massive. I'll Let me ask if I could. I was very surprised by this at the Heritage Classic. I want to ask the two guys from Canada who have played in Toronto against the Toronto Maple Leafs. You couldn't have found an empty seat when they dropped the puck. The place was packed. At the end of the first period, about 5,000 people went home. 
and they never came back. It wasn't like in Toronto where they're not there for the start of the period of about four or five minutes in, they're there. They left. It was zero zero. It wasn't like what why? They were cold. But it was yeah, but cold. There have been other winter or winter classics and heritage classics. You live in Canada. Guys, why did why did the Canadian people just get up and leave? Like I think 5, they weren't ready. of them. They weren't ready for it in the middle of March. Mentally, you probably weren't yep. thinking it was going to be freezing. And the other thing, Paul, yeah, they, they were. I had the binoculars. I heard you say that. I looked at the binoculars. The middle concourse there was jammed in the second and third period of people standing and watching. I think that some of them just went up underneath to get out of that wind. Mm-hmm. I don't think they streamed to the exits necessarily, but there was a pretty soft crowd. They were getting I, coffee, I coffee and Bailey's up in the concourse. Yeah, there were that those concourses were jam-packed yeah. people. I just think they stood out of the wind because it was it was fierce. That wind was fierce at that place. I think too I, that I <laughs> you have that Toronto fan base that were not happy two weeks ago or a week and a half ago that you know the Toronto Maple Leafs they come in the last number of years we've seen the same thing overwhelming amount of Toronto Maple Leaf fans. They're obnoxious because they know how good they are. And they usually go and they spank, you know, uh, they spank the Buffalo Sabres in our own building. Well, I think everybody was nervous when you have Toronto Maple Leafs and Austin Matthews and, and Mitch Marner and Nylander come into your building. Okay. But to sit there as a fan base and watch the Buffalo Sabres team and this is starting to resemble a team beat the Toronto Maple Leafs five to one that was an eye-opening game for everybody involved in Saberland and then all of a sudden you fast forward a week and a half and you have a huge spectacle this is everybody watching this nationwide is sitting there watching Toronto Maple Leafs play the uh, Buffalo Sabres and what is everybody saying Toronto's going to be ready. They're going to go and kick the crap out of the Sabres. That's what I thought. Yeah. Did not I was I was very nervous. Three, did that game not have 7 to 3 written all over it before it started? And yes. Toronto got the lead. They had a 2 to 1 lead in the second period. Right. I mean, so it's like, all right, Toronto's pretty good with the lead. Mm-hmm. And well, didn't work. But what uh, but what happened? Bad. What happened? What's going on with this team? Same Riff. Confident. I think if they lose, if they lose Thursday night and Jack gets two goals, one assist, they're rolling into that game and they're probably thinking a little differently. You know, those, uh, um, uh, Flint Tropic, uh, uniforms aren't necessarily as hilarious. If you're rolling in there after getting embarrassed by your former star, they had a little more swagger to their game. No question. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened in that game yesterday that I thought was, was outstanding. Matthew scores that weak ass goal to put them up to one and the team didn't crumble that right there to me, that could have been, you know, we've talked about weak goaltending all year, blame Craig Anderson, blame all the other guys, whatever it's been, whatever it is, Craig Anderson has been pretty good, but you, you know, you're in that magnitude of that game against the Leafs who have every reason to show up and be hungry. And they let in that weak goal by Matthews NHL, probably heart trophy race leader right now. And they, they don't crumble. They come right back. They score four goals unanswered and win the game. That, to me, was the telling tale that this team is, has turned a, turned a corner here. And they're there for each other. Craig, how many times have you, when I'm here, when I'm not here, talked about Darlene 
getting thrown around like a punching bag. I remember that thing. It made me sick last year against the Flyers with a minute left when Farabee stood at center ice, shaking his gloves off, and and all the Sabres just stood there and watched him. I'll let Darlene fend for himself. It didn't turn into a fight, but it's just like, why doesn't somebody go tell Farabee that's unacceptable in, in no uncertain terms? And Darlene went out of his way last night to talk about Cousins. Said, I want, he goes, I want to talk about Cuzzy, as he calls him. He goes, and how he showed up and made no uncertain terms to Austin Matthews that this isn't going to go. You know, you're going to go touch Darlene. You're going to be laying on the seat of your pants when you're done. And this isn't going to go. And Fitzgerald is another one. You know, he wasn't in the lineup. Yep. But more and more now. And I'm not talking about we have to see Ben Champing brawls and all that stuff. But other teams have to know you're not going to get in Darlene's face. You're not going to get in player X's face. Because if you do, we're going to be backing him up. And we haven't seen that in how long? I mean, Rasmus Dallin for his whole career has had to fend for himself until now. And Dylan Cousins, aside from being a very good hockey player, we're seeing Dylan Cousins really starting to develop an edge, a nastiness, a, a bite to his game that has a lot of different elements to it, not just puck skills and goal scoring, but he's going to be really hard to play against and he's going to be really difficult to play against. And he's going to be nasty to other guys. I mean, he took out Matthews on that play and Michael Bunting went over and Dylan cousins was like, bring it on, dude, come here right now. Let's go. And, And Dylan cousins was making a statement for that entire club in that moment. And then what happened after he got kicked out? the beauty of the outdoor game. It takes so long to get to the locker room. Dylan cousins is standing on the runway behind the glass, waiting for his team to come off. Yeah. He wasn't leaving, went down to one knee. So the fans could see he was on one knee on the wall. Yeah. Because it was right next to where I was. He stood there. Terry Pagula came over and chatted with him. Right. And and talked to him, but he wasn't going anywhere. He waited. He waited the rest of the game for his teammates. He wasn't yeah. going anywhere. He wasn't taking that long walk. I am waiting till this game is over, till that buzzer goes, and I can high-five all of my guys. There were a lot of little moments like that in the last two games that even though they're just in that particular game, I think they're going to resonate a long time with this team. Yeah. And listen, I mean, um, I've spoke about that for a long time, Paul. I think you, Petey and I have both. And, and listen, I've been I with mean, you and heard it. I am not, not asking for them to go out and get fighters. And we're, we need to put all these fighters in our lineup. The game's not about fighting. No. The game is about having guys that are going to stick up for each other. And you can't have all of the same type of player. And Dylan Cousins is really evolved into a, he's an incredible player, not only, and we haven't even begun to see what this young man is going to develop into, but if he's going to have that edge, if he's going to play the game a certain way, there's going to be teams and a lot of teams in this league are going to, they're going to get after cousins because he plays the way he does. We need to have guys that support him. Do you understand? We need to have guys, not fighters, just guys that can play a certain style that can help support Dylan Fitzgerald. Cousins. Uh, Fitzgerald is a guy who has been worked his way into this lineup and he is not afraid. He is a supporter of a certain style of game. 
He's not a real big guy. He's actually a smaller guy, but I'm going to tell you, he's got a heart of a lion. And, and I just think that we do have a lot of skill with these Peyton Krebs and Middlestad and, you know, Tuck and, you know, you just go through our lineups with Skinner and Tage Thompson. There is a lot of skill in this lineup, yeah, but you need to, sorry, Craig. No, you just need to continue yeah. to have, if, if Dylan Cousins going to play a certain style, you just want to make sure that this young man feels supported. Okay. Like, not, are, not sure that Victor Olsen's going to be sitting there skating <laughs> in to help, help that part of the game. And that's I'm where sure I'm just, Victor Olsen's going to be part of the future here, but we'll see. Well, we don't, we don't, we don't know that. Right. But I'm just saying there, there needs to be certain pieces that are started to, you know, be put into this lineup to help this, this skill set grow and feel really confident about what they're doing on the ice. Tage Mike, you can interrupt Craig that, anytime you want because he interrupts everybody. You guys are our guests. Go ahead, Bone. It's, it's such a hockey cliche, the whole they've got to be harder to play against, but it's not a cliche. It really matters. And this team has been so easy to play against for so long. Teams can't wait to play the Buffalo Sabres most nights. And I it's think an easy what, night. it's an easy night. And now what we're starting to see when they beat Toronto twice, when they beat Minnesota, when they beat Vegas, they're not easy to play against. They are much more difficult to play against. That cliche, and I don't even like calling it a cliche, but it really matters. And you're starting to see the difference when you have a team that has some pushback to go with some talent. And there hasn't been enough pushback around this team for a long time. Have you guys noticed Tage Thompson showing up now with that kind of attitude? A big man. Grab, grab he doesn't need to fight. He, yeah. I think he's fought once. I you probably don't want him to fight. He's one of your goal scorers, but he shows up. Listen, and listen, Tage noticed that that he shows up. Tage Thompson might fight. And I would tell him, you know, I would not want him fighting, but if he has to, then he's going to do it. And it's just like Dylan Cousins. I don't really want Tate, uh, Dylan Cousins fighting either. That's not really his game, but I want him to play a physical nasty brand of hockey, but he also has to be backed up by guys that can fight and should fight. And there are pieces to the puzzle that are going to make the whole uh, chain of command that much stronger. I mean, and uh, yesterday, how good, how good must fans feel watching that game, watching that team, watching the goal scoring, the goaltending, the defensive play. I mean, Samuelson doesn't get enough talk in that game for 21 minutes, you know, unbelievable. Six hits, three blocks and incredibly killing penalty killing. How good must people feel about the whole situation with Darlene and Matthews and Cousins? There are so many things that come out of that game that people have been dying for for a long time, and they see it all in one game in a huge, huge moment. And that that game's going to last for a long time in people. And I mean, this West Coast trip coming up is going to be tough. Yeah, but, very tough. You know, but people will remember that Leafs game. And then when they come home and they play Pittsburgh and Washington, I think people are going to want to sample it and see how they do in those two games when they come back home. And I don't want fans to misinterpret what we're all saying. None of us are saying they're there by any means or, or, you know, we're, we're but we're talking about the improvement I and mean, they can, there's still going to be games like Florida that are, they're going to pop up. Oh, I hope not. There. <laughs> but still, you know, they're still going to play some stinkers. Yes. I mean, there, yeah. guys, there are guys on this team who are probably playing in their last year of the National Hockey League. Um, so I don't want anybody to misinterpret that we're sitting here because we're praising what we've seen the last couple of games that I don't think any of us are trying to say they're there or by any stretch of the imagination, but they certainly 
you know, have woken up to the fact they're, 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 they're forming their identity as a team, you know, which, which they're going to have yeah. to get to. Cause I always say it and guys, how can you have Ryan O'Reilly, Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart, and Evander Kane in your lineup at four of your forwards and still be out of the playoff picture by new year's day. Yeah. How does that happen with four talents like that on your team and you and you're out of the playoff picture by New Year's Day. How in the world does that happen? I don't care who you got in goal. I don't care who you have on defense. Those four should be able to at least make you a better team. How does that happen? That they yeah, but they they were a better team with those four players because those four players produced offensively. But what about the other? What about everybody underneath that, Paul? But every every conversation. Yeah, but every strong team in the league has three to four lines. You look at all of the top teams in the league, Florida Panthers, who just went and absolutely destroyed us at home the other day. They don't have one line. They don't have two lines. They have four lines that but, are but Craig, I'm not saying why weren't they champions. I'm saying, why didn't they at least improve somewhat? And that's the thing. You didn't even see improvement with those four guys. It's like, okay, shouldn't that be the start? It's like, all right, you got four really good talented forwards that should be your start now they did a horrible job filling in around those guys and the attitude uh didn't didn't go well either we're talking about attitudes and that might have been part of it too but you had some talent they should not have been out of the race by new year's day with those four guys i mean that's all that's all i'm saying yeah and i think just with this club these are two great games two memorable games they're not there. They still have, what do they have? 48 points. But you can see where they want to go. You can see what it's going to hopefully lead to for them. This is the kind of hockey they need to play. The issue is going to be, okay, they've done it two games in a row. How much consistency can they find? How much do we avoid going back to the Florida game or the first Calgary game or the second Tampa game or that sort of thing? Can they do this over a consistent pattern? And now they've won four of the last six. They've beaten Toronto twice. They beat Minnesota, who's now really struggling. They beat Vegas. So let's see what happens now. All four Calgary. wins are quality wins. Yeah. Let's see Calgary, tr- Edmonton, Vancouver. How tough in the Kings game, it wasn't from a lack of effort. No. It was because the Kings decided they wanted to be Jacques Lemaire and the New Jersey Devils cool. for a night cool. and just took the air right out of the, out of the game. And the Sabres tried to slog through it, but they got frustrated with it. It wasn't like the Florida game that was – totally effort. The Kings I mean, game. they tried, right. It was just the Kings decided it's, it's going to be old time hockey and you're not coming through the neutral zone. We're going to just take the air. And, and what really sucked about that, it was kids day. Right. And the poor kids are sitting there playing, watching some of the most boring hockey you're going to see. And I, I get it. The Kings need two points. They're in a playoff race. So they're, they don't care if it's boring hockey. They, yep. they want to leave with two points, but I felt bad for the kids who showed up that the Kings played that way. The Sabres suck on kids day. In their I've, never, I've never investigated that. I don't know. No, I that don't. Was you Botterill slammed the door. Yes, that's Botterill, right. Yeah, Botterill it was against slammed the door on kids day and it was against the LA Kings. Was it? Oh, oh, oh I'm going to challenge you here. Might've been Dallas. No, I think it was the Kings. It was oh, the LA Kings. Right. Damn it. Yeah. yeah they got to stop. They got to start doing, stop doing kids day where the LA Kings are. That's oh, what I'm right. saying. Kids day a couple years ago. I remember the big story was Botterill slamming the door. Um, Let's uh, let's move on here a little bit. Sorry, I had to go to the bathroom there, boys. Two large coffees and three bottles of water this morning, and you know you got it gets you running. Um, 
trade deadline coming up next Monday. What do you guys uh, anticipate for this team? Uh, you know, with, with the Sabres, I know Kevin Adams is on the record now as saying that they are willing to help out some teams in cap trouble, you know, to take on some salary to maybe acquire a few pieces, whatever those pieces are, but who do we expect to be shipped out? Do we expect anyone to be brought in? That could be not a short-term piece, but maybe a long-term piece. Like what are you guys hearing, thinking, and uh, where do you think they should go? When it comes to long-term pieces, Kevin Adams usually talks about they kind of set things up at this time. You know, you have discussions, but they really don't come to fruition right now. Um, Guys like, there's three guys that I think they could trade that they might be interested in bringing back in the summer. Henestrosa would be one. Anderson would be another. Maybe you bring Anderson for one more year to pair with uh, Lukanen and be a mentor for him. And um, uh, Pesic might be another. Those are the three that I think maybe, and Miller, I don't think Miller's coming back, but I think Miller, if he's healthy enough to play and he can show that he can play after surgery would be a, a piece that they could go. But I, I don't think they're afraid to trade a guy like Henestrosa to me, I think would be a very good bottom six forward for them moving on. But I certainly would trade him for an asset and then call his agent in the summer and bring him back. Yeah. I mean, Miller's certainly the guy who people want, but they're going to have to get Miller back on the ice this week in the games to show that he's healthy enough to be dealt. So that's an important thing to watch on the West coast trip. Um, Henestrosa is a guy I would keep. I'd want to re-sign, but yeah, if you could trade him and re-sign him, do that. Anderson's an interesting case to me. I think Anderson is going to basically call his shot here. If they have an offer for him, if somebody wants him and Anderson wants to go, um, certainly the other thing Anderson's got to think about, does he want to go and just be someone's insurance policy and not play hockey at all? Or does he want to stay here and play hockey because he's the number one goalie here mm-hmm. and he'd be somebody's number three insurance policy. And just for the record, I've written it. I've tweeted it. No, 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 yes. Toronto, yes. you can't have yes. Craig Anderson. Yes. Absolutely yes. not. Absolutely I don't care yes. what you give him. I, I would say it, to Kevin Adams, you're insane. If Toronto he, wants to pay the price, goodbye. No, no, yes. no, no. They'll all pay the price. Yeah. If you want to trade, if they the want to pay team, the price. Goodbye. Sure. William Nylander. Give us William. Well, Nylander. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I, I want what you're on today, Mike. <laughs> I am never solving the Toronto Maple Leafs problem ever. If I'm the general manager of the Buffalo Sabres ever. I don't care about a third round pick. I am not solving the Leafs problems ever. They can rot. That's how I feel about it. That's what you do. Too bad. It's all the fair and love and war. I don't care. The Leafs can rot. They need a goalie. Why in the world would I give them a goalie for a third round pick to solve their problem? No. I love angry Mike. <laughs> that's that's literally why to sit back and listen and love uh love what's being said here uh your thoughts uh we have a, a restricted free agent what what are your thoughts on what they should do with victor olison i don't see victor olison part of the solution here i just don't uh, he's a one-trick pony and he's been scoring some goals recently but i i was a little encouraged by his five-on-five play to start the year I am no longer encouraged by it. Um, I just don't see it enough uh, that that just the the overall five on five. And I think they can do better. I think Jack Quinn might slide into the spot he has uh, either this the end of this year or into next. And um, so I, if I if it were me, I would be looking to move him. Didn't we just see 
Jack Quinn's first goal, his NHL goal against Dallas on the power play, that's kind of Victor Olison's shot. You know, we don't need to see Victor Olison if all he's going to do is play on the power play and score. And I granted he's been hurt all year, but he's just a guy. And I mean, he's a great story. He's contributed. Let's not forget he was a seventh round draft pick. You know, he was not some highly touted prospect. Um, so no, I, I think they can they can do better. There are other guys out there. And you put some of these guys people see with Owen Power, the Buffalo Sabres will be able to start getting players again. And I don't think the Sabres want to get involved in arbitration with Olison. No, I wouldn't going to lose. Because he might wind up getting a lot more money than what they perceive or what I would perceive he's worth. Four and yeah. a half million? Four and a half think, million for Olison. I think Victor Olison's a nice player. I think he, he you know, he he has a style. He's a shooter. He's he's got a great shot. Just hear me out here, Mike. He's got a great shot. He plays a a a strong game that another team in this league that maybe has more depth throughout their entire forward line with different style players. He might be a nice addition to to another top end team. For me, I just think that Olafson's spot should be you should be bringing in a certain style of player that is a bit bigger, much more heavier, much more of a, of a guy because they have a tremendous amount of talent. Like when you're looking at Alex Tuck and Casey Middlestat and, you know, Tage Thompson, Vinny Hinnestroza, Dylan Cousins, Krebs, you, you go on and on. You're going to, you're probably going to uh, integrate uh, Jack Quinn into the lineup next year. These are all very skilled hockey players. Okay but you need to also add a certain style of player that is going to help all of that skill set be rounded out. And I think Victor Olofsson is one of those guys that he's kind of going to be, you know, out of the lineup because they, they need a, they need some guys that are just more energy players, guys that are going to finish every single check guys that are going to post themselves and, and make it a nightmare in front of the, the opposing nets. They're just harder players to play against because we have players that are going to be very skilled. And I think this is the week we're going to find out a lot about Kevin Adams as a GM. We've learned he can draft some, I mean, everybody can draft Owen power, but you read all these prospect lists. They say they've really built it up. You look at the trade for Eichel, looks pretty good. The trade for Reinhardt looks pretty good. Devin Levi looks like a stud. They got a first-round pick. But can he now make some NHL-level trades, whether it's this week or in the summer? Can he make some NHL-level trades for NHL-level guys to build this team and build the depth that they need? And that's going to be the real question. So far, Eichel for Krebs and Tuck looks pretty good. We need to see more mid-level trades from the GM of NHL players to get things in here because you're not you don't want to go into free agency, stupid season money. And I'm not sure free agents are still buying into the Buffalo Sabres yet. You're gonna need trades. And, and yes, that's, yeah, that's right. And you have built trades your- with players with term. Yes. Yeah. And you have built up some some collateral in, in draft picks. I remember reading last year, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know how these three Russians are that they drafted, but I read good things about it, the Sabres draft afterwards that people were talking about. They stole a couple of these guys by drafting these Russians, and they're going to be really good players and and so on and so forth. So, all right, let's say they are good players. Now you got three more, and you got Rosen, who was the number one pick that they have. So, you know, you've got all these things, plus you've got number one picks coming in the next draft. 
to me, now you have draft currency or, or trade currency that you've got good prospects, but that doesn't mean you can't trade some of these good prospects to get help now with some term and players that can come in here and grow with these guys and help them out. Do they need to make three first round picks again this year? No. In my mind, they don't. In my mind, they don't. If they can get a veteran NHL player with term, they don't need to make three first-round picks in 2022. That's what Kevin Adams can now do that he didn't really have, you know, in his in his uh, holster. So, and don't they have yeah. three second-round picks next year or something like that? So, right. there's a yeah. lot out there. He's a yeah. lot. He's a lot of things. So when you're when you're talking about Owen Power, Elliot Freeman, you know, alluded to Owen Power, you know, maybe coming after his season in college. Okay. That's Owen said spe- that himself beginning of the year for sure. speculation. Right. But let's say that he does show up. There has been talk about, you know, finding a partner for own power. Okay. And, and when we look at the, the market, what's out there, is there any player, any defenseman that you think you know, moving forward might be a good fit for here in Buffalo for, for years to come. I've been thinking about this one. I'm convinced that the Sabres and Kevin Adams have someone out there in mind, someone who we haven't thought of who has term left. You would say, really, they're going to trade for him. They have someone in mind. They want to put with Owen power. They're trying to get, I'm convinced of it. There was nobody in the world who said to themselves, you know, if Sam Reinhardt goes to Florida, the Sabres will get Levi out of, out, of the, out of the trade. Nobody was saying that. Nobody was looking at that. The Sabres were looking at, well, we're not paying attention to where he got drafted. He was in a junior league that, uh, you know, not many people are talking about. We're paying attention to what he did at the World Junior Tournament and, and things that he's done since then, and he should have been better than a number seven pick. And I think that's what Mike's talking about right there, guys that nobody's talking about. And, and, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's on the radar. And, and, and they're looking at that that's a person that can come in and help their team for, for years to come. I'm convinced they're going to make a trade for a defenseman at some point. And you're going to say, I can't believe I never thought of that guy. There's somebody out there. Well, who's the guy that Elliot brought up, Riv? Was it Matthew Benning from Nashville? Did that name ring a bell to you? Why? Do uh, I- yes. He said Matthew Benning. From Nashville. I sent one to Riv last week. I sent him uh, Shen from Vancouver. And Riv didn't like that one. Uh, No, no, no. I didn't like it. Um, I'm just wondering, because if Owen Power came here, he's not. I don't think that Owen Power is going to be playing on a third pairing. Even though he's going to be a rookie next year, even though he's going to be, he's not an 18-year-old rookie, he's going to be 20. Okay? He is more established already before he's coming. He's not an 18 year old. He's a 20 year old. He's six foot six. He's probably 220 pounds. He skates exceptionally well. He's played at the level before last year in the world, in the world championships and look phenomenal. I think he is going to garner ice time. I think he needs to have a partner that is going to be a very calming influence. And I like your idea of Shen Petey, 
but I'm not sure that that's the pair that I would want with Owen Power. I think Owen Power needs a guy that can really move the puck and have that interplay and mindset with with a, a high end guy. And I know that you two guys, I know Polly. You're probably sitting at home. You've probably already gone on cap friendly. You probably ripped through it three, four times, every single team in the league. Mike, I know that you're doing the same thing because I'm doing it and I'm trying to find the guy. Has there been any player that has stuck out to you in your mind that you could consider? But, but, but look at two before I have to run here and, uh, and, and uh, do, do another one. Um, who had Craig Reve coming to the Buffalo Sabres from the San Jose Sharks? Anybody? Not me. I never, I never I wanted that, that one. I puked when I heard that. I never I never read that rumor <laughs> or anything like that. Next thing you know, Craig Reve is a Buffalo. I don't think Craig Reve read that rumor. No. <laughs> I think all of a sudden he's a Buffalo Sabres. Like, where did that come from? Kevin you guys have do you have you a player in mind? You, you never heard really you're coming to Buffalo. I really don't because I need a player who can skate. I can't have a big plotting veteran defenseman of the own power. The guy needs to be able to skate whoever it is. And that's something that's not easy to find. I assume he's going to be a right-handed defenseman. Is Josh Manson a guy that fits that bill? He could. I, I like him. I'm not sure. But, I mean, he's a UFA. I mean, you're not going to be able to trade him unless you can sign him. Um, but Josh Manson's a name I like for this club. Um, you know, but that, that's the, the real, to me, the real interesting point is got to be able to skate, you know, got to be physical, got to, you know, have some moxie to help Owen power along. And it's fascinating because the, I don't think Owen powers partner is in the organization right now. That's the bottom line. The problem Maybe. with Josh Manson and, and the, the thing you got to look at, and this is not a, a shot at the Sabres organization or the fan base or anything, but for right now, just with where the Sabres have been over the years, Anything that says modified, no trade clause, no trade clause, full, no move clause. You're not getting those guys in a deal right now. You got to get the guys that don't have that next to their title because right now Buffalo is not a desired place to play. We all know that when this team is good, anybody will come here. But when his team has been, you know, in the depths of hell, the standings and reputation, the last 10 years, no one's coming here until the, the, the everything's been cleaned up and it's obvious. That's just my point. Go I ahead. have a guy that's in my mind. One thing before, uh, I have one guy that's in my mind. Petey's loved this guy for a very long time. I He's an unrestricted free agent, and I hope that he does not sign with his current team and he goes to unrestricted free agency, and that's Eric Gabranson. He's having a great year in Calgary. He has played absolutely fantastic. Tough, tough as nails, 6'5", 220. Veteran guy. Veteran guy. Oh, Hambone, anything to add before we let you go? By the way, thanks, Sal, for the plug. He he threw a shout-out to our show the other day. Well, more so about Craig's rant, but still, you know, after the whistle. (laughs) We win and lose as a team. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy it, and uh, I got a roll. Go talk to Sal, but uh, thanks for having me. All no, no, right, Polly, coming on. Thanks, for Mike. Thank on. you very much. Thank you, gentlemen. As always, we'll uh, we'll do this again, boys. We, maybe next week after trade deadline, see if we uh, predicted everything right. Thanks. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter after the Whistle and at Craig Reve fifty two at the Instigator seventy six. You can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.